This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, March 24th, 2022, and my guest is the awesome Brad Molin. It's a reunion show. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm really happy to be able to be here. I'm super happy to have you back. How are you able to be on a podcast with me, Brad? What's going on? It's magic, Miriam. Uh, <laughs> so I... <laughs> I can officially say I am no longer with TCL, ah. so today is my last day with the company. So I am now technically a free bird, at least for a few days. So I wanted to take the opportunity to, to come on and have a great reunion show with you. Oh, that's awesome. Well, folks, you better catch that free bird before it escapes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Brad, we've got a bunch of news items, but you know how the show goes. You, you've done it many times before with me you know that it's all about the tangents. So I'm hoping that our conversation kind of like go off left and right as we talk about these news items. I want to start with the Moto Edge Plus for 2022. Can I just have a little rant about the namings and the like nomenclature that Moto is using? Like they're now adding, like they're doing the Apple thing, you know, MacBook Air mid-2021. Like they're adding that year at the end. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. And the naming does get very confusing because then you have the Edge 30 Pro and the Edge 30 and yeah, is there well, an Edge Stylus. Exactly. Because in other parts of the world, they even have different names for the same phone. Right. I'm not happy with that. That's <laughs> bugging me right there. So that doesn't mean that I don't like this phone. I actually like this phone. This phone is a very nice, affordable flagship. That's not affordable. You see the problem there? They they right. screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, $900, is that right? Roughly, yeah, for the unlocked version, uh, $899, I think. Oh, it's probably $899, $99, so it's probably $900, you're right. Anyway, but the point is that there's also a Verizon, which has even a worse name, right? It's Moto Edge Plus 5G UW. <laughs> like you know from tcl that's what I they do. do to your phones they totally butchered your tcl 10 pro 5g uw or whatever it was back in the day right yep we we had to go with the 10 5g uw that it was just the 10 see there was no pro in there now i'm making mm -hmm. it even worse so <laughs> basically what i'm trying to say is that the naming is a bit weird because of this you know year that they're adding to the name of their phones but also because this is called edge based on the original series of Edge phones from 2020, which had really excessively curved displays, right? Like really like waterfall, kind of like this kind of gimmicky, the screen goes halfway down the side kind of deal. And now they are flat screens. Hmm, so now it's flat edge? See, this is what I'm edgeless? saying. Like, So, you know, I asked them about that. Uh, last year, they did the Moto Edge 2021, which was a mid-ranger, and it really was a terrible phone. I was really disappointed with it. And I asked them then, I said, like, you made this phone that doesn't have a curved edge. It's called the Edge. Why is it called the Edge? It's not even a leading edge device in terms of specs. So why are you calling it the Edge? And they're like, 
because it's our brand for the kind of high-end phones in U.S. And I was like, but you also use Edge abroad. So this is their Galaxy, right? Yeah, well, okay, not quite, because see, that's the thing. I said it's an affordable flagship. So this is really more of a Pixel 6 slash OnePlus 9 competitor. And I say OnePlus 9 because we don't have a OnePlus 10 this year, which is kind of the affordable entry-level flagship from OnePlus, at least not right. yet. So It's only in China still, or uh, the has OnePlus it come out to Europe? The OnePlus 10 Pro is supposedly coming to the US at some point soon. I think there's rumors, or maybe it's been confirmed now. I can't remember. The 31st is what I heard rumor-wise. but oh, interesting. Um, it's just the Pro as far as I know. But so there's no 10, but last year there was a 9 and a 9 Pro, and the 9 had a plastic frame and didn't have OIS, but it still had a flagship Snapdragon 888, and it still had the nice screen, it still had, you know, all the flagship thingies. But this is kind of like that, because like the OnePlus 9 and like the Pixel 6, it doesn't have a telephoto, you know? It right. doesn't have a metal frame. It's, I mean, the... the Pixel 6 is ahead there. It has a metal frame. And of course, if you buy Verizon's version, you get millimeter wave. But if you buy the unlocked version, you don't get millimeter wave. And so you're going to say, why is the unlocked version more expensive then? Well, did you see the storage? It's 512 gigs. Ah. The unlocked. And 128 gigs for the Verizon. No SD. So you're screwed. You have to pick one. Oh my goodness. That is a huge difference. Yeah, right. Well, there is, okay. There is a Verizon version with 12 gigs of RAM and 256 gigs of storage, in addition to the standard 8128. And then, of course, the unlocked is 8512. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, <laughs> kind of a weird... And you know, they've kind of done that. Their unlocked phones lately have had very generous RAM and storage. And you kind of scratch your head, why? Like, why not bring the price down? You don't have to, like, you know, skimp on storage, but maybe a middle ground. Interesting. What's your take on that? Well, I'm I'm trying to understand why Moto is is pricing this at you know the eight fifty to nine hundred dollar price range when it's going up against some of the giants like the Galaxy. So that's exactly it. You're paying <laughs> Pixel Six Pro and Galaxy S twenty two or twenty two exactly. plus pricing for this. Yet you're not getting a telephoto and you're getting a plastic chassis. You know, the plastic frame, I'm not too worried about that. In fact, if you pop the SIM card open, you can see that there's actually a metal frame under the plastic. It's kind of like, you remember the Pixel 5 that had that, that plastic finish on the back? But when they scraped right. at it, like when, you know, Zach at Jerry Riggs, you know, scraped away at it, he found that there's actually, it was plastic, like thin layer on top of a metal chassis. That's the same thing. So it's not going to be a... Like, it's not a strength problem or a quality of materials problem. It's just more the way it feels in your hand because you know how shiny plastic kind of feels slimy and, and fingerprinty, whereas aluminum, like an anodized aluminum, you know, with the antenna bands, like that TCL phone last year, you know, the 20 Pro, that feels pro, that feels nice, that feels high-end, right? Right. So Yeah. I, I do feel like if this were to go up against the Pixel 6 rather than the Pixel 6 Pro, it would have a lot more success, especially given the brand recognition, right? So, yeah, I think they could have priced it even $100 more than the Pixel 6 because it's Moto and gotten away with it, like $699, because there are some things it's doing, you know, that I think are, are really good, like the millimeter wave, you know, that's that you have to get a 6 Pro from Google to get that. 
Hmm. Right. And then it would undercut to some extent the S22 in a bit, in a way. But I think, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Of course, you know how it's Moto, so it's going to be on sale in two days. It's going to be in the basket, <laughs> like... The bargain bin? Exactly. The bargain bin, the bargain basket at the end of the, you know... Along with all the cassette tapes I think of that, from the 80s. I have this image in my head totally of Blockbuster. Remember? Yes. The video stores? You, you wa- the end cap had always the bargain bin of DVDs and VHSs. <laughs> Anyway, and it was uh, always stuff that you never heard of before. Yeah, right? it was like always just like, like some random direct-to-DVD sequel or prequel that uh, of a movie that you saw maybe once. And it 10 was years always ago. a Rutger Hauer movie for some reason. <laughs> and there's always like twenty or thirty of them, and that was. And you like, sometimes you could actually dig deep into the bargain bin, and you could find a gem. But was it really worth all that time and energy? No, not really. Like Psycho Killer Seven, I didn't know even that there was a five and a six before that. He's back. That's right. And this time he's <laughs> mad. <laughs> see, Brad. Right. I see, you're finding your radio voice again. <laughs> so no, look, the mo- this Moto phone. Okay, so l- let's recap a little. The original Edge 2020. And Edge Plus 2020 were really nice phones, like, you know, metal and glass, super premium looking. Now, the Edge was decontented versus the Edge Plus, and the Edge Plus was a Verizon special where the Edge was an unlocked phone. And I think that was their mistake. At the time, it was a proper flagship. They had all the specs, but because it was limited to Verizon, it didn't really see the kind of sales Moto wanted. And also, it was competing with it was $1,000 back then. That was two years ago. So it was competing with the S20 Ultra at the time. And the you know OnePlus 8 Pro at the time was an incredible phone for the money. You know, So it was really not going to be successful. And in a way, this partnership that was Verizon is what kind of was the downfall of this great phone they made. So the next year, they decided to combine the two, like last year, 2021, into a single Moto Edge, non-plus, mid-ranger snapdragon um seven seven eight i want to say and you know a lcd panel with massive bezels especially a big chin at the bottom at 144 hertz and all plastic build not even a glass back but a fake glass plastic but you know what i'm saying it was just like yes. what are you doing and then they sold it for 700 dollars unlocked and 550 on verizon and the verizon version had millimeter wave and there was nothing about that phone that was any good. Like the, it had mono speaker. Like basically the display was an LCD. So it had all the problems of an LCD. Like it was a high refresh, but you had all this light bleeding and, and you know, the, the big chin at the bottom and the cameras were okay, but only the main one, the 108 was decent, but it didn't have OIS. So at night it was nah, the eight little eight megapixel ultra wise is meh so like we all yelled at them we were like this is a terrible phone we all gave it really bad reviews and i remember having a conversation with the folks at moto about this going guys we know you can do better than this like this is what were you thinking and i think they took our feedback because this new phone honestly brad other than the pricing it is a good phone it's just not price right like I really think that if you're interested in a Moto, because the software really is awesome, I in some ways, I think it's better than Pixel software. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in the experience and you're a Verizon customer and you can pick up this thing in a week, two weeks, a month for $699 or $599, 100% worth it. Like the plastic chassis, man, you know, 
whatever frame is, you know, you'll leave, you put a case on it. You don't care. The biggest problem though, is it can't really be a flagship without a telephoto. And you know, the one plus nine has that problem. Mm-hmm. Although the one plus nine is now five ninety nine, So at that price, it makes sense. People are going to say the pixel six has that problem. And I'm going to say, well, but it's five ninety nine from the get go. Exactly. So you're going to look at it and go, and it has, it has super zoom as well. Like the crazy, awesome, you know, so you're going to be okay without the telephoto, but this thing can zoom to save its life. It's a 15 megapixel sensor. I'm not sure what brand it is. It's definitely not a Sony from the behavior I'm seeing. So it's not a good sensor, at least a no, not a well-tuned sensor. And as a result, it falls apart as soon as you zoom more than 3x, like really oh, wow. badly. And then in low light, it's, you know mid-range-ish performance at best. It's only when there's a lot of light that it's good. And it has OIS. I mean, they put it back in there. So I want to give them kudos. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> you are you're the biggest proponent of OIS that I've and me- honestly, ever met. honestly, on this phone, it just feels like it's not on. Like, I mean, it is it is on. I can see it when I move the phone in the viewfinder. But in right. terms of the results you get, you're not getting any of the benefits of OIS. I can kind of understand when the Moto... <laughs> told me, yeah, we don't think OIS is that critical because they probably don't know how to tune it or something, you know? Uh, but they put it in there and they put a 50 megapixel ultra wide. And you're going to say, ooh, that sounds like, you know, the Oppo Find X3 Pro and Find X5 Pro with a dual 50 megapixel. No, completely different sensors. The main sensor is, as I said, kind of meh. It's probably not a Sony. Um, and then this ultra wide, get this, 0.64 micron pixels. So okay. it pixel bins them to 1.28 microns. And that means that it's okay. But it's, again, I think it's like some Omnivision, like a brand new sensor because the 0.6 micron is, is a brand new thing. Like we've never been able to make pixels this small on a phone before. So they're using a brand new sh- sensor that nobody's tuned yet. And man, you can see it. It's so bad. Uh, and And so I'm like, so you made an ultra wide that on paper spec wise is awesome, but then doesn't really deliver. It does have autofocus on the ultra wide, which lets it uh, also act as a macro, which is mm-hmm. nice. And then of course it has a third camera on the back, and you're like, "Ooh, telephoto!" No, no, it's a two megapixel depth sensor because you know sticker cams are a thing. Oh yes, depth and macro. Man, I'm so they sick just, and they tired just come on everything. <laughs> I kind of understand at certain price points, especially in certain markets like India, where it's competitive and the number of cameras make a difference on your spec sheet. See, especially if you're looking at, you know, budget and mid-range phones, if you have four cameras, that's going to come off as uh, right. more uh, desirable than having two cameras. It's just easier to market that way. Yeah. But when you're looking at, again, a $900 you know, price point, having your third camera be just a depth sensor does not compute it does not make any sense yeah and that's why you know the one plus nine we're talking about it now which is you know going to be gone soon but it's still relevant because that's kind of the league that phone is playing in that phone also had that two megapixel macro or whatever and and that phone was overpriced at the time and now is 599 the price it should have always been right mm. it's kind of refreshing to see that google made a phone at 599 that doesn't have a lens that pretends to be something in the back that it isn't, right? Only has the two sensors in the back, ultra wide and the main. And more importantly, has a metal frame too, which is pretty amazing for that price point these days because so many phones are dropping that feature. So like, 
Obviously, it can be done and Moto of, of all companies could do it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think the other thing that's also weird here or interesting or eh, it's, I guess it's good, but because it's new, it's also tuned like crap is the selfie cam. 60 megapixel, 0.6 microns. So it pixel bins down to 15 megapixel, 4 to 1 at 1.2 microns. And so... You know, it's kind of like, why didn't you just put a 12 megapixel sensor in there with one micron pixels and you wouldn't have to do any kind of weird computational stuff to actually get a good photo out of it. And Because 60 sounds better than 12 on I paper. Know, but it does do 4K <laughs> video on the front, which as you know, half of the BBK phones don't and half of the Xiaomi phones don't at this price point. Like even flagships from BBK don't have 4K video on the front. So that's a good thing. You know, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if they just dropped the price, I could be on board. The display on this thing, Brad, is gorgeous. It is a 1080p AMOLED, 144 hertz, flat, so the weird edge naming, but no bezels, like the bezels are minimal and equal all the way around. It looks kind of like, you know, the Pixel 6 has that even bezel thing, even though they're a little thicker, they're even and it just looks right. That's the same here. And that display, it's not LTPO. It doesn't vary the refresh rate from one hertz to whatever, right? So it just switches between like 60, 90, 120, 144 if you put it in auto and you can peg it to 144 if you want. Okay. So if you're a gamer or something, this is a great phone. You got a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, kick ass. You've got a 144 hertz, gorgeous ultra bright and daylight AMOLED. So they totally knocked it off the part. They put back the awesome stereo speakers from the original Edge series, which sounded, I mean, I still think there are two phones that I've used where I was like, I cannot believe the sound is coming from that thing. And those were the Xiaomi Mi 11 and this phone or, or previous Motos with the same speaker system. It's unreal. Like you're like, how, what? This phone is making this music. It's so high quality. The speakers are super good. So the display is super good. The speakers are super good. They give it a glass back, which is a frosted blue shimmery thing. It doesn't pick up fingerprints. It's really good looking. If this had a metal frame, it would really be nice. So I was going to ask a couple of questions, uh, mainly referring to the software. So you mentioned earlier that the software on this is better than Pixel. Well, in some ways, I, I like it a lot. Like, I think that for me, if I had to pick a software skin, I would either pick Pixel or Moto right now as my first two choices. And in some ways, Moto is more stock than Pixel. It's hard mm -hmm. to explain, but like Pixel is great. Like I right. live with it every day. It's just that, you know, they add all this functionality, like the, you know, the, 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 those features that come to the Pixel first. And it does, it's becoming pretty intense like you have a lot of things you can do with your pixel and it doesn't feel quite as aospy you know like you know the, the core pure stock android ish because of that because you have all these extra embellishments to the os now it's still lightweight it's still fast it's still beautiful it's still easy to use it's still android it's still google's vision on the pixel but i feel like in a way moto is closer to like stock you know like right. no skinning at all and then they add those nice things like chop, chop with your hand to turn on the flashlight, you know, rotate your wrist to start the camera. There's all that thing where like attentive display where it notices that you're staring at it through the front facing camera. 
You have to set up Face ID for that, but whatever. It, right. it noticed and it doesn't turn off the phone. I mean, Samsung's been doing this for years as well, but it's such a nice little feature to have. You know, the, the Pixel does it now too, where it, it won't rotate the display if you can see your eyes. You know, mm -hmm. so, yeah. so it's, if you're reading in bed, you know, you don't have that problem where it's constantly like flipping on you and you're just like, oh God, I got to turn off auto, uh, you know, anyway. Yeah. Auto rotate. It's yeah. yeah, it's interesting because Motorola has for so many years been able to establish a reputation of having a user experience that's very close to stock, but not exactly. And they, they have been able to add in a few features of their own while still maintaining a lot of that stock look and feel, which I've always appreciated about Motorola. Yeah, I, and that's kind of what I mean. It's very appealing. When I first picked up that phone and didn't know the price and started using it, I'm like, "This, I'm really liking this phone. I was super enthusiastic. I remember looking over at Theo and saying, wow, a motor phone that doesn't suck. Like literally is the words that came out of my mouth. <laughs> and then I found out the price and I'm like, oh. right. also the camera performance. It's just, you know, I, I, I don't know if you listened to the previous shows where I was joking around and using Moto as the baseline of bad camera for comparison <laughs> like like you know it was with the red magic 7 when i reviewed it recently on the show that i was like oh yeah so that's kind of uh matches a mid-range moto phone in terms of managing performance so you know like we're starting to use <laughs> moto as a as a yardstick standard for bad quality of photography at various price points and you know on paper, the specs are rocking. I mean, it's missing a telephoto, but OIS on the main camera, omnidirectional PDAF, 50 megapixels on both sensors, autofocus on both sensors, including that macro mode for the ultra wide. Like, you know, the front camera does 4K video. I'm all like, okay, like this is really nice on paper. And I started using it. And I'm just like, ooh, wow. Like, like we're not even in the ballpark of like a $500 yeah, a five hundred dollar phone. Like I think it, it's it's on par with maybe the the Moto Edge from last year, which was a Snapdragon seven hundred series and an hundred eight megapixel sensor without a YS. Now, sure, it had more pixels, but it had it had no stabilization. So I'm like, how 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 did we get there? You know how how did you mess that up so bad? But this is fixable in software. The problem is, you know, right? They're not going right. to do it. They're never going to. They're going to update it maybe once or twice. It'll never live up to a Pixel six or Galaxy. Or even that OnePlus 9, honestly, at this point. Is there going to be a difference between the Verizon version and the open market version in terms of software updates? I assume so, because Verizon's a big gatekeeper. And of course, it comes totally full of bloatware. Mostly Verizon's, I might add. There's actually very few third-party apps. There's only Amazon shopping. Right. The device I reviewed is the Verizon one. And like, who needs an alternate phone dialer and an alternate text messaging app and an alternate like like voicemail app like you know uh the that's normally built into the dialer on a pixel like i automatically just disable those and i bring the google ones in right and install those and and i'm like i don't understand why carriers still want all that stuff to be theirs like because they're hanging on to whatever differentiators they can. They need to make their device different than everyone else's. Yeah, but it's worse. Those Have you seen those <laughs> up? The UI on them is terrible. It feels like you're using something from like 2010 you know, on a brand new phone. Absolutely. I would be interested to find out how many people actually use the carrier-specific bloatware. Most people. I don't know I've if there's any stats on that. 
I don't think so. But if there is, my bet is most people don't change it because they don't even know they can change it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how many people download the Google phone app, which is on the app store and exists for every Android phone? I, I, I think I'm probably the only one. Like every phone I have has the Google messages and the Google phone app on it and the Google contacts app as well. I replace them all and I, and I disable the other ones and I'm done and I make them the defaults. Yeah, I, you know? I would agree with that. I use Google messages on every phone that I use. Exactly. I mean, RCS is so solid now and like the integration with uh, iPhones and iOS is really tops. Like you can, you know, you actually get some of the same behaviors because they've like kind of managed to emulate that. So it's pretty damn great. But look, this Motophone ultimately, you know, again, great design other than the plastic frame. It has an incredible display. It has amazing speakers. It has all the 5G, especially the Verizon version, which does millimeter wave. I was getting three gigabits on that phone just down the street from here and 300 up. Like, holy crap. And then, you know, it has a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. It's so fast. It's so fluid with that 144 hertz display. It feels like a OnePlus. It's amazing. And you get good battery life. It's got a 4,800 milliamp hour battery with, are you ready? They brought it back. Wireless charging, 15 watt turbo power wireless charging. Qi compatible. They have 30 watt wired, which is okay. Nothing spectacular. The uh, By the way, the Moto Edge 30 Pro, which is the international global version of that phone, has a 68 watt wired charging. <laughs> so oh. I think that they cap it down for the US for some reason. But um, the bottom line is it's got reverse wireless charging. So like, again, it's very flagship in terms of specs, right? You get all the goodness. And the battery life, although it's 4,800, not 5,000, which a lot of flagships have today, still gives you close to two days of battery life. So solid battery life. And then you add that awesome software to it. And you're like, this is a winner. And then you find out the price and you're like, wah, 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 sad trombone of doom. Certainly. And and. When you have wireless charging and all these other features, that's th those are specs that you would expect from devices that are going to be six or seven hundred dollars these days. Yeah. Like, okay, that's great. You put in wireless charging, but it's a nine hundred dollar phone, so it's it, normal, it, it right? really needs yeah. to be in there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one other question that I had for you is uh, I've heard about the stylus support. So you know it's funny, or that's supposed to have stylus support. The reviewer's guide doesn't mention it at all. And I completely forgot to even write about it in my review. <laughs> but also, I right. don't know what, what stylus would I use. Like, is it using a, a Windows Active Stylus, like a standardized one? I probably have one of those floating around somewhere. But like, the fact that they didn't even mention it in the reviewer's guide, not even in the specs, is weird to me. So I didn't want to put it in the review, even though... I mean, first of all, I didn't think of it, but then when I could have edited the review and added it, I decided not to because I don't even know if that's just something they announced and never really materialized. I need to ping Moto at this point. And folks, by the time, you know, you get this podcast on audio uh, in a few days, it'll probably be resolved. If you see a mention of the stylus or pen in my review, then you know that I've added that. But I, I haven't tested it. I assume it's there, but because the stylus doesn't have a silo, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, it's not a really good solution. Right. It's nice to have it as an option. And maybe you throw in a third-party case or something that, like, um, 
the I believe the Galaxy Fold three has yeah, the yeah. S Pen support, but doesn't have a silo. But you can get cases Correct. that allow that. That would be nice if Motorola had that option. At the at the very least, though, if you're looking at this as a nine hundred dollar price point, why wouldn't you throw in a stylus? Even if there's no silo, there should be an actual stylus to go along with it. My guess is that they were working on a stylus for this and just couldn't get it out in time. Yeah, because they, they did show us an accessory, I think, at the briefing or something. I can't remember if that's true or not. It might have been a third-party accessory that had, like, kind of like you said, for the Fold or the S21 Ultra last year where it was a separate thing. But, like, I'm happy with it. Like, LG's last two or three flagships before they went, uh, you know, Sia um, had had pen support and nobody really talked about it, but it was there. It was nice. Uh, I'm I'm for it, but I feel like this should be integrated. And you know, the Moto G stylus. There's several instances of that phone now have it in, built in, and there's even apps installed that take advantage of it and detect the pen and stuff. I don't see any apps pre-installed on this phone right now that show any of that. So. You know, I'm not sure what the deal is here. I'm going to pull it out so you guys can see it. There we go. For those of you on Patreon right now, watching the video version of the podcast, patreon.com slash TNKGRL, check out. I pulled out the phone. It's beautiful. Super shimmery. Oops. I've got the fake background and it does it disappears a little bit, but it's nice. And Is this, it just this, the one color option? Uh, there's a white as well. Okay. Let's see. Let me actually... Because you always have to have the boring color option because that's what everybody yeah they always wants send you in this market. Uh, okay, so the screen is well, it's doing weird things with the transparent mode of my <laughs> Skype call, but it's a the refresh screen. rate is so good that it can't it's even so be fast captured. you can't even keep track of it. I know, <laughs> um, but look, the, the 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 point is that ultimately they missed the they did a misstep that they always do, which is always they seem to get their price off and then you know kind of compensate by having sales. And I don't understand this strategy. And then this mm. whole partnership, at least it's a less a little less, you know, egregious this time around with the Verizon thing, because we're getting the same phone unlocked. Minus millimeter wave, which is okay. Like in my book, that's fine. You know, but you know, again, back to the OnePlus 9 and Pixel 6, both of them have wireless charging at $599. So, you know, the wireless charging is really not big of a deal. It should be there, as you said. And then the other thing, too, is IP52 instead of IP67 or 68, it's only splash-proof. Exactly. At $900, I, you know, you drop it in the toilet, it happens to everyone. That's never happened to me, actually. Uh, but anyway... Something I'm curious about is, of course, Motorola has a high amount of importance placed on its partnership with Verizon. It doesn't have partnerships with the other carriers at this point, right? No, Motorola I mean, is not working with AT&T or T-Mobile. They've had some exclusive AT&T phones. I uh, don't remember any exclusive T-Mobile ones, but eventually they always make their way to Verizon in some way. And this one, the higher end ones, the Edge series, has always been at least one of them being a Verizon product. I see. See, what I'm guessing here is that Verizon played a big role in determining what kind of specs and features Motorola would come out with and then came out with an open market version of that phone. 
so that is actually what happened the edge 2021 last year that really gimpy terrible phone um because they just gutted it because there is an international version of that phone that's significantly better but this is exactly the edge 30 pro that the rest of the world got before us just with millimeter wave for verizon they did not cut anything out sure but i do wonder though if this was if this model came out as a result of Verizon wanting these exact specs and features, and then because of Verizon testing, which often takes a longer period of time, it actually came out to all the other markets first. It's possible, but because they're a Lenovo company and they uh, were the f- one of the first two to announce a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 phone, which was that phone, in December, I think this was done way before Verizon. I see. Okay. Like in this case, I think even rewinding six months before that, when they were reaching out to Verizon saying, these are the phones we have, what do you like about them? Which one do you want? And how do we decontent it? The conversation was, you know, we have this phone and somehow Verizon chose to not decontent it, which is incredible. And it's possibly because of pushback from Moto, because we, the media, have been pushing back on them saying, you got to stop Verizon from doing what they did to that poor Moto Edge 2021. They obliterated that phone. Like, when you look at the international version, it had an OLED panel at 144 hertz. This has, you know, they went to an LCD with a massive chin. They went to a plastic back. They removed, like, so many things. They removed the telephoto. They removed the Snapdragon 888 and put a 768 or 778. It's it's just like they just trashed the thing. And that you can tell that was completely a Verizon thing because there's no other phone like it. Hmm. Like, but this, you know, yeah. there's a Chinese version, which is I think the Edge X30. Then there's the international global version, the Edge 30 Pro. Then there's the US Unlocked, which is the Edge Plus 2022. Then there's the Edge Plus. 5G UW, which is Verizon model. So there's actually four SKUs of that phone. Hmm. All right. Okay. Which that are identical sense. other than millimeter wave, which, you know, is a, obviously if you design with it in mind and leave the room for the antennas in there, it's pretty easy to just add that, right? Because the chip supports it out of the box. You just need a power uh, power amplifier or and, and an antenna. And so they design for that and then they leave it empty on the international SKUs, right? Or even the unlocked one is what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's my take on the Moto, folks. Basically, it's a lot. It is. It is. You know, always love to see Motorola come out with a flagship style device. I love to see as many OEMs as possible come out with devices to compete against the big dogs because I think our market could really stand to benefit from more options. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, it is a little disappointing to see that this is what they're bringing to the table, especially when Motorola has been around for so long. They know what they're doing, one would like to think. So, you know, it's almost like it feels as though this was a something that they did on purpose. Yeah. And as I said, they know that they could do better. In my review, my headline is two steps forward, one step back, because like we were really moving up and then the price just brought it back one notch. Like, I, I think this phone is a perfectly good, decent, well-rounded, valid phone that should exist. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just opposed to the pricing. Whereas I was literally opposed to the even existence of the Edge 2021 last year. I was kind of left a bad taste in my mouth what Verizon did to that thing. They just destroyed it. It, it was 
a caricature of a phone. It was terrible. So this is good news. If if Moto can continue in that direction and then adjust the pricing and maybe give us like a proper telephoto metal frame equivalent to that with the Gen 2 processor next year. Sure. They they don't I'm not asking them to reinvent the wheel. I just want them to be playing at the table with the same cards as everyone else. Right? And I think they deserve it. They have a history to make flagships. They shouldn't stop making flagships. Yep. They have the the brand awareness. They also have some great opportunities to take over uh LG since And they have in the mid-range. And even more so OnePlus has eaten right. LG's former lunch and to some extent Moto's lunch in, with the G series uh, by uh, releasing that N series of theirs. Right. And, and it's not saying that LG was doing a whole lot in the flagship space. Of course, they were doing some really, uh, really neat form factors that we had never seen before, like the wing. Um, the yeah. Velvet oh, was a great device. The wing. Oh my God, I love the wing. Right. To this day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but of course, LG went out for a reason. Clearly, Apple and Samsung were just eating their lunch. But at the same time, there certainly were some sales that LG was taking advantage of that are no longer there, that people are now having to go over to Apple or Samsung. Yeah. So this is this was a golden opportunity for Motorola to come in and scoop up whatever LG sales there were and continue to grow as a result. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. I think there is a brand. I think there's a product there. There is a, the software is really a differentiator. You know, that's the only thing they didn't mess up on last year's Edge 2021. The software was brilliant. That's the thing that saved that phone, if if anything. And this phone, the software is brilliant, but with br- more brilliant hardware around it, just the price is off. So I think there's there's room there and I think it'll it'll get to it. I want you to put your analyst hat on for a second. Ooh, that's do, you have dangerous. An analyst, do you have an analyst hat somewhere? Uh, <laughs> find it, put it on, and tell me what your thoughts are on this Nothing Phone 1 teaser. Because it's not really, is it an announcement? It's an announcement <sighs> of an announcement. Yeah. What's your analysis? Really quick. Because okay. I, I don't know what I feel about this. I feel like I could spend an entire show on this, or I can spend five minutes on it. Because we don't know enough. Right. So I think my first impression was this is exactly what Carl did at OnePlus. Yes. His marketing strategy was to leak, you know, <laughs> air quotes, leak every single spec separately. You never saw two specs together in the run-up to any OnePlus device. And he did that on purpose because he wanted to continue to build the hype up. And it frustrated everybody. And I think this is exactly what he's doing right now, is he's trying to find a way to build up hype and keep the news cycles going as much as possible, to, especially to buy some more time before the phone is ready. Of course, we saw Carl showing it off, again, in a leaked photo <laughs> at MWC, showing it off to uh, Qualcomm's CEO. Cristiano, I'm on. I want to say, by mm-hmm. the way, I had lunch with Don McGuire of Qualcomm recently because this GDC this week, Game Developer Conference, San Francisco, and he told me that the feet you see in that photo are his feet. A little bit of trivia for the mm-hmm. inside baseball trivia here, folks. Hmm. So he you knows a little bit more first. than he's leading on. No, he, he did mention that they are definitely making a phone with a Snapdragon chip. That's all he said. So I don't know more, but I know that it's his feet now. So that's important. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. I feel like it was a given, though, that it was going to be a Snapdragon chip. 
Of course. Carl's not going to be showing it off to Cristiano if it's not a Qualcomm chip, right? Well, that would be, yeah, a bit awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Check out our Exynos phone. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what we've got going on with MediaTek. Um, (sighs) Yeah. So I just, that would actually make more sense, actually, (laughs) to me. Like with a the, Dimensity the 9000 or 8100, 80, I think it is. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that'd be great. I am very confused by this device and by this teaser. Uh, basically, let's let's talk about the teaser itself, right? Because it just, it was maybe 20 seconds of a few random lights or seemingly random lights. Of course, there's obviously more <laughs> purpose to it. These random lights that are just shining and the... The people that I have been reading on Twitter just saying, okay, well, maybe this is a transparent, like a a transparent back. Maybe it's, you know, just a fluorescent backlighting kind of a gimmicky thing. Not really sure exactly. So what what is your take on this? I don't know. Uh, The aliens are coming to take us away. You know, that's their special (laughs) alien language, you know. Uh, popping up through Carl Pays challenging the invasion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of don't feel like I want to speculate because, like, it wouldn't be that difficult for them if they have a transparent design, which we know they're gonna have based on the earbuds and the fact that they're still working with Teenage Engineering, who loves doing transparency in their products. That you know, inevitably, you could. It's so easy to put LEDs and make something happen in the back of the phone or the mm-hmm. front or whatever or the edges. It's just the the shapes are a little weird and I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but I'm just, I'm more concerned about some, not concerned, but I'm more like puzzled is the word, exactly the word I'm looking for about the whole, like, we want to be, we want to out Apple, Apple, and we want to work with Tesla and we want to work with like all that other stuff he talked about. Right. Like that doesn't make sense to me. You, You can't just like, remember, okay, here's one of our darlings. Remember next bit. Yes. Right? Same thing. Lots of marketing, Mm -hmm. lots of cool, some really good ideas, well executed. They made a phone. We all liked it. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it was, you know, it was interesting. This is where I see this product. I don't think this product is going to, I think to me, this is a stepping stone. And call me cynical because I've lived in Silicon Valley for so long, but this is a stepping stone to nothing becoming, getting acquired by another company. There's no way that Carl can create a, a parallel universe OnePlus here, not without BBK's might, which they had for OnePlus. So as a niche player, how are you going to compete with Apple? Come on. And also not only that, but I I think it there's a better strategy as a founder to make a really great product that introduces some really cool concepts and then have that being you know, swept up by someone else. Sure. And, you know, if he if he really is trying to make this into the next Apple or I was also thinking Xiaomi because Xiaomi, of course, has a very robust ecosystem at this point. True. You know, more power to him. I just don't see it becoming any more than a niche product, just like you were saying. Right. Looking at the essential phone and the next bit were those are great. Yeah, the essential is another really good one for sure. Right. Like high we praise. We both love these phones, right? Absolutely. It was it was a fantastic device. And I love when companies are willing to think outside the box and try to come up with something different. But unfortunately, it feels like the general market, especially in the US, just wants to go with, you know, the same old slab I mean, device. 
OnePlus can't even sell their flagships anymore in this in this market. Like for a brief moment there, they did, and now they're in the N series, which are very popular and successful. But that's like the Moto G's. It's a mid range or lower budget mid range, and and it's like you know, like it doesn't make sense. Even if I wanted to recommend to somebody they buy a OnePlus phone right now, you know, you can get such deals on an S twenty two. It just just it's hard for me even to tell them not to do it. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. Another thing that I found very interesting was that nothing has hired on the de- the design team from Dyson. Oh, I did not know that. I thought mm-hmm. it was just teenage engineering. I guess okay. Right. So they hired on one of the senior design managers at Dyson, and then he basically brought the rest of his team with him. Hmm. So that does make me wonder even more what this final product is going to look like. Built-in vacuum. <laughs> see that would be a nice differentiator do you remember the projector phone <laughs> oh Cynthia. my gosh yes the projector phone oh that was samsung i mean it wasn't mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like a fly in the sky kind of fly by night type of deal oh I, i'm so surprised that thing didn't catch on fire it was hot literally it, it really was hot <laughs> um especially if the note 7 can catch on fire yeah, Why not the projector man. phone? It's the second show in a row where we mentioned the Note 7. I can already feel the lawyers <laughs> suiting up here at Samsung for me mentioning it. I didn't even plan that, but I know you're you welcome. Didn't. Thank you. Say hello to the lawyers for me. I will, I will. Carl also showed a little bit of a, a peek at the software. Like, what did you think about the and software? That makes more sense. That, see, that makes more sense to me. The software looks exactly what I expect after using the earbuds and the the whole the branding of them, like that dot matrix font. All that is great. I'm mm. I'm in. I'm 100% on board. It's It looks great. It looks minimalist. It looks clean. It looks nice. It looks a little retro with that dot matrix. Super awesome. But remember, we did the dot matrix first, right? Right. HTC dot cases. <laughs> Are you traveling back in time in your head here? I mean, yes, I already was with the projector phone, but even more now with HTC. There you so, go. So, yeah, I I do like that it's different, but he's also he, so. Here's the other interesting thing: is is he was interviewed by The Verge, and he was saying he wants the Nothing Phone to have Android, but just the essentials, where every byte has a purpose, mm. which seems very very vague to me. I don't understand exactly what he's going for here does he mean that it's going to be a lighter version of android so it's more efficient because that hasn't always worked out very well with android devices so yeah i mean i think it's you know he's created some buzz like i when i did the topics for this podcast you know there are some things i knew i wanted to hit and then there i'm like i always do a quick search in the in the you know tech eco verse of of uh of 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 news and the nothing just was like completely obliterating the 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 news cycle and so it's working so i want to give him kudos for that and i want to move on to talk about realme because they've announced so at at mwc realme told us i mean i was there at the press conference they're like hey we're making phones soon with 150 watt charging and i'm like yeah get in line with OnePlus, uh or the other way around or one plus gets should get in line with realme because they pretty much announced it almost on the same day that they're both making phones with 150 watt charging this year but i do have to give realme credit for being the first to actually ship it because i've had two phones now with 120 watt charging from xiaomi and it's 
kind of mind-blowing to put it on the charger and have it go from zero to 117 minutes. That and is this, wild. I know. And that at 150 watt, I guess it's going to take 12 or 13 or 15, whatever it is, minutes. And I mean, wow. But what got me more excited is that it's the first time we've had a Dimensity 8100 phone announced as well. So that's cool. And that's going to be really interesting to see how that performs. I agree. I'm Do you have also, one coming to you? Uh, I will as soon as this is a Chinese version. I think that Realme always sends me the the global versions when they become available. So, you know, I know there's some Dimensity 9000 phones coming too, and I think I've got my name on one of them. So that'll be interesting to see. But the point is, look, I love the Realme phones in general. They deliver a lot of value for the money, whether they're ch- shipping with MediaTek or Qualcomm. And this is interesting to me insofar that it has both a new processor, in this case from MediaTek, and this 150 watt charging and a cool looking design with the racing stripes like a lot of the GT phones they've done before. And you know, the specs aren't bad. Like it's, you know, the price of course is always super competitive. You know, they have two options here. They have a 150 watt, 4,500 milliamp hour system and an 80 watt, 5,000 milliamp hour system. So you get a choice depending on how fast you want to charge and 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 stuff and the brick looks pretty massive of course but you know you'd expect that so we're looking at like four hundred eight dollars for the uh you know <laughs> for the i think for eight gigabyte 256 gigabyte version mm-hmm. it, it's an right. amazing price you look look at the specs on this thing it has okay besides the charging it has the dimensity chip it has that you know amount of storage i just mentioned which is a pretty decent starting point eight 256 it has, let's see, what, uh, 6.7 AMOLED, 120 hertz. You know, their AMOLEDs are generally pretty good, so I think it'll be nice. And it's Realme UI, which is basically like ColorOS. And let's see, cameras is what I want to know. Ah, we, here we go. Oh, yeah, look at that. 50 megapixel IMX766 with OIS. Do you know who's got that camera? Who? Oppo Find X3 Pro and Oppo Find X5 Pro. And Realme. 9 Pro Plus, which just came out a month and a half ago, two months ago, which is, are you ready? A $300 phone with a Sony IMX766 with OIS. That phone is the best camera phone for the money short of going to a Pixel 4, like the one that was 4G, or to a iPhone SE used. Oh my goodness. Because think about it, $300 for a Sony IMX766 with OIS. That's going to completely obliterate that Moto phone, for example. <laughs> that sensor is so good, right? That was the ultra-wide sensor on the OnePlus 9. It is the main sensor and the ultra-wide on the Oppo Find X3 Pro and Oppo Find X5 Pro. It is the main sensor on the Realme GT2 Pro, the one they just launched at MWC, the flagship with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. It is also on that crazy little affordable Realme phone. It's bonkers and remember bbk group shares all of their imaging pipeline across all three brands and lately it's been mostly oppo driving that hard and oppo's color science in my opinion is the best on the market today Mm. period like it doesn't matter if they use hasselblad branding or not that's just a gimmick at this point but their color science dude it is better than apple's it is better than samsung's it is better than pixel i'm telling you now 
freaking amazing. I am very intrigued at how they are able to pull that off, especially at such a low price point. And obviously doing it across several brands helps because you're doing it more in bulk, but still yeah. doesn't seem like a camera for a 300 to $400 device should be better than the Moto Edge Plus that we were just talking about. Well, this is not even just better. This is better than the camera on the OnePlus 10 Pro, the main camera, in my opinion. It's better mm -hmm. than the main camera on probably the Galaxy S22 and S22 Plus, not the S22 Ultra. Right. I mean, we're talking like it's solid. Now, it's not computationally wise quite as advanced as what, you know, like Google's doing because they still have the upper hand there. But I think it's a better sensor than the main sensor on the Pixel 6 Pro, 100%. And That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I, and I think, you know, because Sony just makes, in my opinion, Sony still makes the best sensors. Like, there's just nothing around it. You can compensate a little bit by tuning the software, right? But ultimately, if you want to be on top of the game with imaging right now, and you're an Android phone maker, go talk to Sony because immediately you are at a, a kind of a baseline level that is far better than the Moto baseline level. Right. Since we're using Moto as a scale now for all <laughs> phone camera systems. But look, I'm excited about this. I think this is, a, I've got the previous one, the GT Neo 2 here. I have the GT2 Pro as well, which is the big flagship, and they're killer. Like the GT2 Pro is basically giving you a 90% of a F Oppo Find X3 Pro experience from last year with that microscope mm -hmm. and that main sensor. And for, for 800 bucks, with a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. The only thing it's missing is wireless charging. That's pretty It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy when you think the Oppo Find X3 Pro last year and the Find X5 Pro this year are like 1,200 euros or something. <laughs> now, of course, they're ceramic back, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, this it's a different dimension. Like, Oppo's playing in that premium tier, right? They don't even care. Like, they're almost going with the, oh, well, 1,200 euros doesn't seem rich enough. Let's let's go for 1,400 euros next, you know, kind of thing. That kind right. of approach, right? Like they're really placing the price as a selling point, right? And some people don't like that and don't understand that, and I get that. But I think that there's a market for that out there. Mm. If so. I may, I would love to go back to the fast charge discussion. Because I am very sure. curious about this. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the 150 watt, and you said that you had used devices with 200 watt. Is that right? Yeah. So they sent me, what was it? The Xiaomi. I got the Xiaomi 11T Pro from, from Xiaomi yes, last year. And, and that's on the market. It's not an early development prototype. No, it's on anything. the market. And then there's another one coming up. It's under embargo. I can't tell you about it yet, but it's, it's going to be a less than $300 phone with 120 wow. watt charging from the folks over at just Xiaomi. Okay. So my point is, it's not like, it's not some experimental thing. This is like, you can buy this. It comes mm -hmm. in the box with the charger and everything. Well, my question for you is going to be, how far can we go with the fast charging? Like what is, what is the max? Like 10 years from now, when we're looking at phones, the way things are going, like how, because at, at some I mean, point. We've already seen 200 and 240 watt as prototype. So. Right. But so like you double the 120 watt. So from 17 minutes, you go down to nine minutes. <laughs> but yes, you, you can. But I feel like that's, that's almost a gimmick. Like just so you can say that it's faster than any other device in the market. But when, in reality is eight 
minutes going to really make a difference? Um, how how much of an impact does that have on power efficiency? Um, obviously, overheating can be an issue with certain types of fast charging technology. Yeah. So, like, is there a certain point where we just kind of get to a ceiling? Yeah, I mean, I think 200 watts kind of like overkill. So I think we'll probably steady state there, right? Yeah. Like, I think two, 240 watts or so. I feel like it's the megapixel war, right? Like yeah. people want to say that they have the highest count and not actually factoring in the user experience. There's a couple of things you should consider here. Uh, the first one is that it is actually a lot of the battery technology we're seeing in these phones is coming straight from the EV world, right? A lot of the, the improvements in battery technology and the speed of charging, the thermal management, the longevity management of the battery systems have all been developed in the car space and the EV space and are now benefiting the phone manufacturers. And that's what you're seeing. Mm. We have much better AI-based charging algorithms that can not only monitor the batteries in real time much better than before, but also predict the behavior of the battery based on AI modeling. One. Two, better chemistry on the battery, so they're they're more bulletproof to be charged that fast. And you're looking at most batteries in the old days were 600 to 800 charge cycles. Now we're looking at double that, right? And if you manage it properly, you can keep that battery at 80% of its capacity in the first four years of use. So even with those fast charging sessions, right? Mm. So if it's managed properly by the software, it's, it's pretty bulletproof. But one of the things you're completely forgetting is that there are many markets like India and Africa too, where people don't have reliable access to power. So that's, charging that's becomes point. opportunistic. So if you have access to an outlet in that train station for five minutes before your train comes, that five minutes of time is gold for you because you're going home where you have no power. That's a very fair point. So your phone lasts two days on a charge already because it's got that massive 5,000 milliamp hour battery. But now if you can charge that fully in 17 minutes, it means that that five minutes at the train station are going to give you 50%, right? Right. Or whatever it is. That makes and a lot of sense. That is not something I, I think we should underestimate. Us, us in the West here, you know, we're kind of like just charging every night. We have that weird habit, like, you know, wireless charging is is also something we want because it's in our cars and we like to plop our phones on a stand while we're working in the daytime on our bigger computers. But the, that other part of the world, that's their computer. They use it all the time. They they can't be down. Like they can't have it just sit there and idle, right? Right. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when we're thinking about why the US version of the Moto has, was it 32 watts versus... 65 yeah, versus 68 which yeah, is a weird number by the way <laughs> it is and, and granted you think okay well it should be exactly the same between each model because you know they should be the same model but if there are opportunities for them to save money here and there you know of course the u.s market doesn't really care as much about you know how fast the charging is um you know as long as you can do it fast enough like go zero to 50 in half an hour or so. I feel like that's, that's kind of what the, the milestone we've hit here in the U.S. is. is yeah. if, you, if you can come out and say in your marketing, yeah, zero to 50% in less than half an hour, then you're golden. Um, whereas you, you can do on the GT Neo 3, zero to 50 in five minutes, which yeah. is clearly much more impressive. But you know, to your point, in other regions of the world, 
that is you know a huge difference between having a phone and and having a brick. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why we're seeing this pick up so much on this, particularly in these mid-range phones in markets abroad right now. Yeah. Right. Realme and Redmi, you know, BBK Group and Xiaomi Group and Poco to some extent are very, very popular in in India, for example, right? Because of that. Um, let's switch gears and cover the final topic for today because I'm looking at the time and that's the Honor X8. And this is like the third or fourth phone from Honor since they went independent and obviously it has GMS, which is nice. And But this is the most affordable one they've launched so far. So I think we've had, let's see, the one I have is the Honor 50, which is a mid-ranger. There's an Honor Magic 4 that just came out of MWC and 4 Pro and 4 Ultimate, which are really incredible. They're proper S22 competitors at every level. And then there was an Honor 60, which was basically a refresh of the 50. I want to say there was an Honor 40 before that, but that never left China. And this is their first kind of like, Let's go in that mid-range, budget mid-range, Moto G, uh, Vivo V23, you know, Realme 9 Pro Plus, $300-ish, like super competitive India market thing. And that thing looks baller sexy. Look at the bezels on that thing, right? Yeah, it looks... I, I have a huge amount of respect for any budget device that looks good. Because yeah, I feel and like you the guys default did that at TCL, by the way. <laughs> That's what I really loved about it. Absolutely. I I was always blown away by how well we were able to make those devices, you know, that are two hundred dollars or less. And granted, you start getting under a hundred dollars and it becomes burner phone territory and you know they all look exactly the same. But if you can have a hundred to two hundred dollar device that actually looks and feels much more premium, it's got a kind of a cool um, cool look to it, like a really cool color, whatever the case may be, maybe some design on the back that you wouldn't see anywhere else. I love when devices can do that. Yeah. So like the last one that to me did that, uh, there's the real mean, all the real entire Realme nine series, as I mentioned, the entire Vivo V 23 series as well. Um, the Oppo Reno series does that to some extent, although it's a little priced, a little higher. And then of course there's the, the Redmi Note series is always like the most bang for your buck. Like, like when I reviewed the Redmi Note 10 Pro last year, I have the 11 Pro this year too, but I haven't reviewed it for anyone. But when I reviewed the 10 Pro last year for Elena at Geekspin, it was, I basically said it's half the price of a Mi 11, you know, the Xiaomi 11 flagship with 90% of the, the specs. Mm. And that's exactly yeah. what they were delivering. If you didn't want 5G, you were getting literally 90% of the specs of that flagship phone for half the price. It was insane. And this thing is $245 and it has a Snapdragon 680, a 4G chip. It has a 6.7 inch 1080p LCD at 90 hertz. Man, LCD, but I'll live with it. Six gigs of RAM, 120 gigs of storage, 64 megapixel main camera, and a bunch of sticker cams, five megapixel wide, uh, ultra wide. That's going to be crunchy. <laughs> two megapixel macro, two megapixel depth. Okay. 16 megapixel front, 4,000 milliamp hour battery, and 22 and a half. Weird, weird number. Mm. What wire charging. And, you know, that's it. Like, there's nothing to it, but you look at the design and you're like, oh, yeah. This looks like a phone you can pull out in public and don't feel embarrassed about it, you know? Yeah. And 
I'm looking at this device here, you know, I'm pulling up the pictures. And if I didn't know anything about this device, I would be looking at this saying, you know, that looks very similar to an iPhone. I know exactly. there's, there's some differences, of course, but overall, the 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 trim, the <laughs> kind of the, the the flat edge or flat sides. So the flat sides is a thing this year, Brad. I don't know right. if you've noticed, but a lot of Xiaomi mm-hmm. phones and BBK Group phones in this two hundred to three hundred dollar price range are coming out with a version that looks Samsungy with the kind of like waterfall screen and the thin tapered edges, and a version that looks iPhoney, which has the slab sides and the very kind of rectangular mm-hmm. edges to it. And it's really interesting. Because they're like basically kind of like channeling the flagship of your choice design in a more foldable form factor. Oh, absolutely. iPhone-y. <laughs> I love that. iPhone-y. I um, like that. <laughs> so I, there was something here when I was looking at the specs that I found intriguing. And I admittedly don't know enough about it. So I want to ask you about it. So one of the specs talks about, uh, I think it's the RAM where it has six gigs plus two gigs of turbo RAM. A lot of companies are doing this now, BBK Group being the number one um, kind of guilty of that. They do it. You, you can actually pick up any like Realme, Oppo, or OnePlus phone that's come out in the last year, and you'll see in the, you know, in the about phone, you'll see the actual amount of RAM and then this number of RAM, turbo, whatever. And that's basically just a, a kind of a RAM disk where they're using uh, flash storage, like, they allocate amount of certain amount of flash storage, kind of got kind a of swap partition like you do in in computers, where you know when you run out of RAM, it starts taking apps that are not in use and putting them in that RAM disk. And storage is so fast now that it actually does work. It's not as fast as the act stuff being in memory because you're swapping back from basically mm. disk, right? From like flash storage. That was going to be my question is how well does it work or is it just more of a marketing gimmick to say, hey, we actually have more RAM than it we actually It works, do. but it's not real RAM and it does have bottlenecks associated with it, but it's certainly uh, more beneficial than just having six gigs of RAM if I you see. implement the software feature, right? But it's, you know, something that OnePlus started doing years ago on their flagships. One of the reasons the app starts so quickly that they're pre-cached, Right. So like, that's one of the areas of, of doing that. This is kind of like the reverse where you're not pre-caching them in RAM, in real RAM, but you're actually swapping a running apps into like flash storage temporarily to give yourself back some RAM to run what you're running in the front right now kind right. of thing. And again, that's called virtual memory on PCs and Macs. It's been around forever. It's just that they're implementing it. And because it's flash storage and it's so fast, UFS 2.1, 3.1 nowadays is very quick. You're getting some real benefits from that, implementing that, right? I see. Okay. That's my understanding. So, you know, folks, keep an eye on this on this Honor phone. I don't know if I'm going to get one. I mean, I could probably, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of focus on, you know, the important phones. And I'm not quite sure this is as important as, say, the Magic, four that I really need to get my hands on. So, you know, I have a lot of phones coming in all the times, but let me know maybe in Twitter and stuff, if you want me to get my hands on this phone and and give you an overview, Brad, we need to wrap up. Do you want to tell the audience where they can find you on the internet, your social media handles and all that good stuff? Sure. The best place to find me is phone wisdom on Twitter. That's where I'm most active, but I also have an Instagram at Brad Mullen. So there you go. Yeah. Come at me. Absolutely. Folks, you should follow Brad on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you want 
to comment on the podcast, you know, you should do it on Twitter. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Also at Tankerl on Instagram. It's like Tankerl, the comic book character. Just drop the vowels. That's how you remember. So we'll find you on Twitter. Hopefully you can ask us some questions, make some comments. And check out my Instagram for pretty pictures of phone, pretty pictures of cars, pretty pictures taken with phones in general. The podcast obviously lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe. Tell your friends. There's an RSS feed there as well. If you can rate or review the show in your podcast app, please consider doing that. It helps. There is a couple YouTube channels you should subscribe to that have content related to the podcast. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast and YouTube.com slash mobile tech more. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little notification icon, comment in the videos, comment about the podcast even. I don't mind. I'll answer. The two channels are basically as follows. The main channel, Mobile Tech Podcast, is about the phones and the audio device, the personal audio, all stuff that's like smartwatches directly related to the phone ecosystem. In Mobile Tech More, it's all like travel tech, car tech, home automation, more peripheral, but still related to uh, mobile in some way or another. So there you go. And then, of course, you've already heard this earlier in the show. There's a Patreon, patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash TNKGRL. There's some perks and some tiers. If you want to support this podcast, you know, please consider joining Patreon. A great way for me to continue doing this podcast is for you to help. So Patreon has, for example, a tier for video version. The video version comes out a little before the public audio version, and you get to see me and my guests on video. It's slightly less edited, so a little more raw, a little more real, and you get to see the phones and stuff sometimes, so it's fun. The other tier is one for a Discord. So if you want to join my Discord chat, you can do that and chat with me. So that's another thing we have in there. There's a bunch of different tiers so check that out patreon.com slash tnkgrl and i want to thank my patrons for being with me you know and helping me out again as i said i can use your help so consider helping with patreon and of course i want to thank our sponsor audible audible has been with us forever and we love them they have a deal for you you can get a 30-day free trial and you get to keep a book at the end it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And you know, if you don't know what Audible is, well, let me give you a quick overview. But basically, it is the number one audiobook platform in the universe. So if you like to read books like I do, but you know, maybe you're working all day and your eyes are tired at the end of the day because you've been staring at your computer screen, or maybe you're a delivery driver with FedEx or something and you're driving all day. Well, guess what? Audible's got you covered. You just put your headphones on or earbuds and you listen to a book. You can close your eyes if you're in the evening and you're tired, or you can just drive around and do your deliveries while listening to your Audible book. It's awesome. So look, if you like books like I do, you should check it out because you know, they have an incredible selection of books. There's also short stories. There's podcasts. Some books are read by the authors, which I really love. And, you know, it's kind of epic. You get like on road trips. It's awesome. Like a book lasts nine hours. So you're just like, turn it on and just drive and enjoy and listen and get into it. So yeah, Audible's cool. So if you want to help them, help me, you know, consider clicking through that link, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Get your 30-day free trial. Keep a book. 
hopefully you stick around. And yeah, I think you'll love it. I want to thank Audible for being with us since the early days again. And you, Brad, for coming back on the show. That was so awesome to have you. It's been a thrill. I am so happy we can make this work. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We'll hopefully have you on at some point in the future. And folks, we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.